This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. So let's say you're an activist and you spend a lot of time on social media. Hi, hello, nice to meet you. Most of us are aware that social media can be used as a tool for activists to shift a political conversation, but we may not be sure exactly how to do it. Enter Democracy Defenders, a new program from our friends over at Fuse Washington that trains activists to talk about key issues online in a way that moves voters. We are joined by Rainy Cohen, the director of the communications hub at Fuse, to tell us more. Hello, Rainy. How are you? Hello, I'm great. So, you know, let's just start with a very fundamental question. What do we know about the impact of social media on voters? Well, like you were saying, you know, lots of activism happens on social media, but a lot of people don't use social media for activism at all. But most of us have some platform, right? We use it to connect with our friends. We use it to read the news. We use it to keep track of of things that are going on. And so it is... um, It is a great way to reach people across all subjects. And so we know with people spending so much time on social media, if you don't have a super strong opinion on a particular political issue, um, social media is a place where that opinion can be formed. You are influenced by the things that your friends say. You are influenced by the headlines that you read. You are influenced by the comments that you read. And on social media, Um, Particularly when it comes to news, we find that um, in the comments sections, the conservative framing of any particular issue dominates what people read in the comments. And so if you are one of those folks who doesn't really know a lot about, you know, policing in our communities or doesn't know a lot about climate change issues, like if these aren't your niche issues um, that you are heavily informed by, you're getting most of that information from the people you know and trust or a news organization that you know and trust, and that's happening more and more on social media. So our peer groups really do have an impact ultimately on the way we vote, is what you're saying? Absolutely. So with, there was actually um, a study I was introduced to um, that I can get you a link to if you have show notes that Please. we are referencing at the end of this, um, where... Over the last decade or so, our trust as a society in experts, in news media, in um, scientists has like really declined. And the number one group of people that we trust are people like me. Not like Perf- me, Rainy. I'm sure, but sure, but yeah, like of course. Yeah. Like you, yeah. <laughs> um, who are your friends and family, who, who are the people that you have um, trusted conversations with. Excellent. Well, that is a great place for us to bring in Democracy Defenders. So tell us a little bit about the program and how it works. Yeah. So because we have this situation where comment sections and other places are dominated by conservative framing, um, you know, we've got this election that is coming up, the midterm election. I've heard something about that. Yeah. (laughs) If if you you may have heard, um, people will be voting. um, And gosh, they're going to be voting in a couple of weeks in Washington. Um, We really wanted to try to flood the Internet with progressive framing on issue areas. So knowing that voters make decisions not because they are in love with a candidate and the name of the candidate, they do it based on how on their own emotions on issues like abortion or inflation or climate change or things like that. And so we wanted to um, reach people on the internet 
across a bunch of platforms where those conversations were happening. So if there was a news article about abortion and you know, you're swimming through the comments and it's a whole bunch of conservative framing, we wanted to have folks who were running around the internet and like leaving comments in the progressive frame. So we started, um, act- we activated a volunteer program that we called the Democracy Defenders, where we are asking folks to spend 15 to 30 minutes a week, just kind of trolling around the internet, looking for issues that you resonate with, that you have an opinion on, and to participate in the online conversation to make sure that progressive um, framing and our side is being told wherever these conversations are happening. And to support you, we have written talking points and um, social media content for you to go ahead and um, either copy and paste and plug it right in or adjust it with your own personal story or, you know, share the meme on Twitter or Instagram. And that's kind of what we're asking folks to do. 15 to 30 minutes a week, you say. I, I Honestly, I can't think of a day that I haven't spent 15 to 30 <laughs> minutes, maybe twice an hour, uh, if the math adds up, uh, on, yeah. on social media. So I think we can spare that kind of time. So you talked about a, a number of different uh, topic areas. And since you work in messaging, uh, I, I would love to kind of get an idea of, you know, what the messaging is around, you know, very, very key issues to this election. So let's start with abortion and reproductive rights. So it's been just over 100 days since the Dobb ruling. I think there's a concern that this is falling a little bit in terms of voter concern. So how do you think we keep this top of mind for voters in November? And really, how do we message around this issue? Well, first, I want to say that um, on all, all of our issues this year, it is about our freedoms and protecting our freedoms. And we can use messaging around freedom across all of the issue areas of concern. Um, and abortion is no exception. The Dobbs ruling opened up a persuasion window with voters, some voters that we never would have expected, like we saw in Kansas, where they protecting their um, access to abortion. Um, It opened up this persuasion window that we jumped right into to talk about, you know, someone you know, someone you love is going to need an abortion one day. And we need to have the freedom to decide for ourselves when and where to start a family, if and when to start a family. That is up to us to decide. And right now, you know, in Washington, at least, we have the freedom to decide. And right now we are trying to protect that freedom to decide by making sure that um, we keep the House and the Senate nationally and they don't pass a national abortion ban that would actually apply here. So you're saying frame it around freedom and really make it a personal issue. Then, Absolutely. Right? Plugging yeah. in your personal story in any issue area is so important. Like you can write all the talking points in the world, but they're not going to connect to someone if you don't have a personal connection. Right. So when I'm training folks how to do messaging properly, we use a narrative approach. So we want to connect with the people we're talking to by starting with a shared value or having that personal story, something that strikes the emotion in the person that you're talking to, to be like, hey, I'm not trying to be combative about this issue because we can turn people off really quickly Mm -hmm. um, when we are combative about our issues. Um, 
but like, I want to connect with you on the thing that we have in common. And that is typically a value and freedom is a deeply held value of almost everyone in this country. And it's a great starting point. I want to ask you next about threats to our democracy. And I think a lot of activists have been very frustrated by the fact that this issue isn't resonating more with voters. And certainly that the GOP has completely distorted the issue with their framing around, you know, uh, election fraud and things like that. So how do we get across to voters that democracy is really on the line in this election in a way that that gets through, that, that breaks through? I think the most important one on this issue is framing the correct villain. So kind of back to the narrative strategy where you you open with a shared value, you also have to name the reason why there is a threat in the first place. And in this case, it is Trump and his friends orchestrated a criminal conspiracy to try and overturn a free and fair election. And then The Trump Republicans who have been running for office since then repeat this lie and continue to lie because they know that it sows um, distrust in our elections. And if they suppress our votes because we don't think the election is fair, then they get to hold on to the power that they so desperately want to hold on to. So framing this in a way where we are defining that this is this is a lie being told to us by the people who perpetrated the crime against our country by storming the Capitol um, is a really effective way to inoculate against the people who are like, oh, do I trust our elections? It's this is this is a classic um, point where facts are not going to change someone's mind. Sure. The fact that Washington's been doing mail in voting for, you know, exclusively mail-in for over a decade or that we have the most secure elections or that we have all of these things because um, we have really, really strong voting protections here doesn't matter to the people who are like, well, but I had a feeling because I heard this thing somewhere. I also want to talk about the economy and inflation because we know that this is the top concern that's coming up on the doors. And we know that this is absolutely hurting people, right? So we can't pretend that it's not happening. So how do we best talk about this issue? This is another one where naming the the correct villain is really, really important. The, you know, you named it. The tricky thing with the economy and inflation is that it is incredibly nuanced. There are multiple inputs um, that are creating our situation. And it's it's too complicated for our brains to handle. We really want to believe that, oh, we can just blame the Democrats or the Republicans, and that's an easy way out. Um, In this case, it is a very clear connection. We have polling that shows us this, that when you tell people that the greedy CEOs who are choosing to raise prices on consumers on the things that we need every day, like diapers and food and milk, gas, all of those things, that is a choice that the CEOs are making. And they're doing it because they care about protecting their profits and protecting their investors. And they don't care about us. They're not in it for us. They're not trying to provide us with goods and services. They are trying to make money. And they are capitalizing off the pandemic. And they are capitalizing off of a global situation where they can raise prices and get away with it. 
I want to point out for folks here who probably are catching this already, there is a construction to this. So you are talking about a shared value, you are naming the villain, and then you are then shifting to the, the ideal thing that you want to see, right? Yes. And the ideal thing that we want to see here are corporations who pay us the true value of our work so that we can provide for our families in the way that we need and coming together to vote in this election and vote for the folks who will protect our freedoms uh, is the action, the collective action we want to take at the end of this narrative. So then let's use that to talk about public safety. So if I were going to guess what you're going to say here, you're probably going to correct me. But like, I'm going to take a leap and say on public safety, which we know the GOP is, is already using their usual scare tactics uh, for this, this yeah. particular issue. So you would say we want public safety for all people. The GOP is trying to divert your attention by scaring you with this issue in instead of actually working to solve the problems that you're really facing, what we really want is shared, you know, shared uh, uh, public safety for all and uh, a government that works. Am I getting close? Am I getting warm here? That's, that's very close. Yes. Okay. Great, great um, lesson in action. Oh, well, thank you. I love this. <laughs> um, I mean, we know what keep us, keeps us safe. We know what a safe community looks like. We know that is strong relationships with our neighbors, it is good schools, it is parks, it is grocery stores nearby, and it is, um, you know, the people who are sworn to serve and protect us are actually preventing and investigating and solving the crimes and treating us all as equals at the same time. And what the Trump Republicans are doing is trying to convince us that we will be more safe if we just jail more people, or if we just make homelessness illegal, or if we just, you know, fill in the blank with all of their fear tactics, that is that is the villain and what they are doing. And at the same time, they are blocking the common sense solutions like gun, gun safety or taking away our Medicaid and Social Security. Like they are they are actively blocking the things that would make our communities more safe. And because we know how to keep us safe, we will join together to vote for the people who will protect those things. Well, listen, gang, you're going to learn this stuff a lot faster than I am. And Rainey is really uh, such a great messenger on this. How can people get involved with Democracy Defenders? Yeah. So um, I'm going to tell you a secret that um, the Democracy Defenders does not have a public landing page because we are doing very intentional relational organizing to make sure that the folks who are a part of this program are using the messaging and are not like secret trolling us. Sure. So what I would ask people to do is to email me directly and I can plug you right in. We have messaging guides. We have communications trainings. We have a Facebook group where we are sharing information with each other. And if you email me directly at rainy at fusewashington.org, um, you can get in touch with me. And that is spelled R-E-I-N-Y. Rainy Cohen, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a delight and super enlightening. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you would like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.